Thanks for tuning into the North Lakes podcast. I'm Jeremy Oswald, your host for today. Today we talk to Dr. Dodson Thompson about colon cancer screening. We find out what's in his car and learn a little bit more about North Lakes Farm to Patient program. Uh, my name is uh, D. Thompson. I'm an osteopathic physician here at North Lakes Clinic in Minong. Uh, I will have been here 15 years on October 1st, which seems like a long time. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's actually the longest I've ever been in one place in my entire life, except uh, the town where I grew up. So that's that's um, a big deal for me. Um, it's uh, It's been a great 15 years. I love Minong. I love the Hayward area. Um, I've developed what I think are really good relationships with my patients, and some of them feel like family, and um, that's really important. Um, it can also be very hard as well when you lose them, but yeah. Have you gotten, I'm sure you've gotten to the point where you're seeing kids of kids, or maybe not that, let's, but are, are like you've seen probably multiple generations? Or... Uh, pr- pretty close. Um, I, I, now I'm to the point where I see early in my career here, I, I delivered quite a few babies and I have teenagers myself. So my, my daughter, who's a freshman in high school, actually has a couple friends who I delivered. So it's, it's, it's not very weird for me, but I mean, the kid, they don't really remember me, but, but it's, it's a little strange for my daughter. She's like, I can't believe you, you, you delivered her. So it's, it's, yeah, but that's, that's what happens. So it's interesting. And have you, you, um, I, when I drove into town here, I remember hearing from the, you know, the history of North Lakes that we used to be in the laundromat that was around down the street. Were you here that? No, no. We were always in this building. Now the building was a lot smaller when I first came here, but I I was always in this building. So that's all I've been lying to people. (laughs) Well, it was, but I don't know what year they switched from the laundromat. Um, to, to this building. Okay, so there was at one time. Okay, so that's true. I'm not it's lying. True. No, you're not lying. It's just that that predates me a little bit. Got it. So um, I wanted to talk to you about um, and tell me if I'm saying this right. It's colon cancer, colorectal cancer, colorectal cancer screening. Um, am I saying that right, or how is it referred to? We usually we, I, I usually refer it to as refer to it as colon cancer or colon cancer screening, though though the specialist will, will differentiate in, in the colon and then the rectum because you can have um, uh, different types of cancer in those regions. Um, we, we screen for it the same way. There, there's no difference in, in how we screen for that. But um, uh, so I, I generally use a, just a, a, a bucket term as colon cancer. Great. And what is it? It simply is a, it's a, it's, it's adenocarcinoma of the colon, um, which, like any any cancer, um, are fast growing undifferentiated cells, which if we let them grow and spread, uh, much like any cancer, they they simply crowd out the the normal cells and take over the function of those normal cells, and then therefore your body can't. Um, can't function that way because and, those cells have taken over that area and yeah. they're and they're doing that their their job of their job yeah they're they're so, they're using all the the nutrients and and um in some cases putting out um 
causing other things to happen uh, in your body, uh, such as blood clots and things like that, that just aren't uh, amenable to, to healthy, healthy living, so, so to speak. And are there symptoms? Um, the number one symptom we look for is obviously uh, someone who has blood in the stool. That, that doesn't mean blood in the stool itself doesn't always mean you have colon cancer, but certainly it's concerning or, or what we call dark or tarry looking stools. And, and um, th- there's other reasons to have blood in the stool. You can, you can have a, a situation called diverticulitis, which is an inflammation in the colon, which, colon, which can bleed. You can have hemorrhoids, which can cause bleeding. But, um, you know, blood in the stool is one of those um, terms where when we hear that, we, as physicians, we perk up a little bit like, eh, we need to, need to uh, look a little deeper, so to speak. Um, abdominal pain can be a symptom when the, when the cancer uh, progresses along. Uh, uh, you can also have uh, bowel obstructions where all of a sudden you, you can't pass stool anymore, which would obviously lead to abdominal pain. Um, Colon cancer was usually, we screen for colon cancer with a, a colonoscopy. Now, there are other screening tests we do um, that are less invasive, where you can take a stool sample and test for fecal blood. Uh, there's a new test called Cologuard that's been out for it's been approved for three to four years now, where they look for some other markers uh, produced by precancerous polyps. But the gold standard for screening for colon cancer is, is still a colonoscopy, and that, sim- that simply is an a, um, experienced general surgeon or a gastrointestinal specialist inserting a camera into the rectum and going all the way through the large colon, looking at the large colon um, or the large bowel, finding any polyps which um, can be precancerous in, in nature and lead to, to colon cancer and removing those. Uh, and that really still is the gold standard and what I recommend uh, to most people. Um, we used to recommend that we start calling cancer screening at 50, but within the last 18 months, uh, that that recommendation has moved down five years, has, has been decreased by five years. So now we're recommending anybody over 45 um, is, is can qualify for colon cancer screening. The reason for that is is we've just started finding more colon cancers in, in people younger than 50. And when you say qualify, I think that means that insurance will pay for it? Yes, yes. Generally? So I, I think the first um, physician society that came out and recommended uh, that we move the, the guideline from 50 to 40 was the American College of Surgeons. And then the American Cancer Society got on board. And, and once you have uh, a large physician group like that or a large um, society like that, say we need to move those guidelines, then generally insurance is going gonna, is gonna to say, yeah, we need to do that. Got it. And so why, I mean, why, why is it important to detect this? I mean, I, I'm kind of giving you a softball here. I think it's, it's a deadly disease. It is. And I, I don't know the number off the top of my head as far as um, colon cancer and how many deaths that causes in the United States yearly and how it ranks to, to other cancers. 
but I'm pretty sure it's in the top three. I, th- I think it is number three. I don't yeah. like. I did a little little research, but I well, could be. It's I, it's 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 it's, it's in you, the top five. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, the really interesting thing about colon cancer, and I'll back up and talk about screening because everybody wants to talk about screening and how we go get a screening test, and that means we don't have the disease. Well, that's not always the case. Uh, there are some screening tests we, we, we do uh, that may not be as accurate as we would like them to be. Uh, mammograms are, are one of those. There can be a high number of false positives with mammograms. So where something looks abnormal in a mammogram and then you do further testing, such as a biopsy, and find out that it's, it's not anything serious. Colon cancer screening is, when I say it's a gold standard, as a colonoscopy as the gold standard, they're very accurate um, and very, very sensitive to finding colon cancers and preventing colon cancers. It, it's what I tell my patients is colon cancer screening works. If you get a colonoscopy at the age of 50, which again, I, I still kind of fall back to the old guideline, and you have a normal colonoscopy, you don't need another one for 10 years. Simply because those polyps, if you had any polyps, they're so slow growing that they've looked at the pathology of the disease, the epidemiology of the disease, and and, um, it takes that long for that polyp to to develop into something serious. Um, And and so you you can feel very comfortable that at at the age of 50, if you you had a, a normal colon cancer screening, a colonoscopy, then you don't have to worry about colon cancer um, for at least, most guidelines say, 10 years. Um, if you do some of the other screenings, such as the Cologuard, those are good for three years. So I really like the Cologuard screening because it, it's it's sensitive. And what, what is that? So it, I, it, 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 how do you do that? How it, would somebody do that I'll screening? I put an order in the computer. The company is out of Wisconsin, out of Madison, Wisconsin. It's called Exact Sciences. They send you the test kit. You send them a stool sample. They send me the results, and I pass them on to the patient. Um, and and they're looking for markers, specific markers from types of polyps that that can indicate you've got precancerous polyps. So if those markers, those genetic markers, are in the stool sample then they're going to recommend a colonoscopy. If they're not, then you're good for three years and, and you, you repeat the Cologuard. Um, I, I'm becoming more comfortable with the test, especially in low-risk individuals. I, I do not think uh, in individuals that have a family history of colon cancer that, that that test is applicable. I would still feel more comfortable that they get a colonoscopy. And I'm guessing with some of those other symptoms as well. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, if somebody has symptoms, they're not getting a Cologuard. They're they're getting a they're going to get a, a a colonoscopy. And that's um, so. When you say gold standard, that's I mean <laughs> that doesn't happen a lot. So and that's like that's kind of the key to this is that it's um, it's a deadly disease. But boy, if you can detect it, well, how is that helpful? Like, what what does that mean? Like, you detect it early. How does it? What what happens next? Well, the colon is a interesting organ uh, in itself because we 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 eat things that probably aren't um, the best uh, for us. Uh, the colon it, it does a that's where all your your most of your nutrients are absorbed from your food, and and 
and and where the body gets rid of all the waste. So it, it's a it, it it's a interesting organ that that runs through your body and and helps the body to get rid of the waste while maintaining this. Um, it, it, it's it's dirty on the inside and clean on the outside. So the and what I'm trying to say is is um, it takes a long time for for a, a colon polyp to develop into colon cancer. Most most times, if 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 you have a colon cancer that's detected early, it's relatively small, or it's in a small area of the colon. Uh, surgeons can go in; they can take out that section of the colon um, that has the cancer in it, especially if it has not spread to any lymph nodes or anything else. Hook the colon back together, and you never you never you never have any any other issues now depending on how much colon you you have to have taken out it can it can cause some digestive issues but if you can take out a, a short segment of the colon um, then your, your your cancer is gone it's surgically removed um, and and because the colon is very good at I guess the word I want to use is is isolating itself as as being its own environment and those those polyps that lead to cancer again are very slow growing. So if you can if you can get that cancer early, you don't need any of the chemo or the radiation or anything else. You you you, you do a, a a bowel resection and and off you go. And I I so I'm of the age that I I guess it's been a year or so. Yeah. I had a colonoscopy and I think I remember them saying that if they saw a polyp, they might try to take it out right then during yeah. the colonoscopy. Oh, yeah. yeah, they usually do. They they take a biopsy. Um, different polyps have uh, can have different uh, degrees of of um, cancer causing potential. So if they're gonna if they see a polyp, they're going to uh, take it out, and they're also gonna base your your return colonoscopy on how many polyps you had and I or you have. Um, I don't know those exact numbers, but at a certain number of polyps, then then you become a little bit higher risk. So instead of having a colonoscopy ten years, they're going to do it at seven years or five years or or even or even three years. Got it. And um, so there's a lot of people that don't do this. Or I don't know. I, I shouldn't say a lot, but I do. You know, like what's the like why people don't do do any <laughs> any kind of screening, be it the color guard or a colonoscopy or. Um. I, I'll be honest. Most people I can convince to do at least some sort of screening. Um, you're, you're very. Con- you, well, I, I just. I, I, I <laughs> I'll think, do anything you tell me. <laughs> I, I think I can convince most people to do at least some sort of screening, even if they don't want to do the colonoscopy. But even today, I had a patient who who has a family history of colon cancer. Um, she had her first colonoscopy at 45 because of her family history, uh, and absolutely refuses to do another colonoscopy not because of the procedure itself but because of the preparation for the procedure which uh, speaking from personal experience having had a colonoscopy a couple years ago the 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 bowel prep of the process of cleaning out the bowel with with the purgatives uh, the 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 Miralax and uh, can be somewhat traumatic it's it takes a couple days. It, it does, and 
if you ask me the the primary reason why people don't want to go through the process again um, if they've had it that's it and i really think that's where the if they had a normal colonoscopy um, the first time and they don't have a family history and they're they're low risk they can probably be just fine with having a cola guard as long as it's normal for 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 the future screening test and i think that's really where the cola guard um, is is beneficial and is is going to uh, find its place in the market i don't think colonoscopies will ever go away uh, there's no in my opinion there's there's no um, alternative to having a well-trained um, experienced um, physician doing the colonoscopies looking at the colon um, and seeing whether there's any polyps or concerning areas but if you have a normal colonoscopy I don't think there's any any reason to say that that for the future screening test that that cologuard um, is can be your 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 next best option. And you can do those right at home. You, you don't can. have to you come don't in have here. to come in the office. All we have to do is is order it. It's it's very it's very slick so to speak. I'm sure everybody has seen the the um, the commercials with, uh, I think they were in the Super Bowl this year with a poop emoji running around and, you know, you put it in the box and send it off to exact sciences and that's it. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's become a, a useful tool in the arsenal for screening for colon cancer. And I, so did, well, we don't need to get into this one patient story, but did you say like, well, okay, then here's another option for you and are they going to go for it? Or I, I did. I, I put in an order for the Colic Guard today and I, I'm not, I'm not getting any payment from, from exact scientists, exact, exact scientists. Trust me. It's just, um, it, it's, it, it's a very, it's, it's a good test in certain uh, segments of the population and, and I use it. And I've, I, I mean, I've heard, you know, I, I did a little bit of prep for this. We're, we're trying to like, part of the reason we're, I wanted to interview is that we're trying to do a little um, uh, kind of a campaign to try to increase screening. So I have done a little bit of reading and uh, the reasons I've heard of people not doing it, I, one of them was that, well, if I'm going to get it, I'm just going to get it. You know, so I don't know, like if like here, I'm going to give you, you have the microphone. I don't need to give it to you. But what would you say to someone that has that attitude or thought? I, I, I would, I would argue that with colon cancer, with the screening that is available and the, 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 the time period between the screening that, and, and, and the, the sensitivity of the screening, the the accuracy of the screening, that that there's really not a good reason that I can see to to not have the screening. Um, I I don't think anybody out there that um, has had a family member um, go through chemotherapy or radiation for any type of cancer would um, ever say, "If I have it, I have it." Um, you only have to, and I do this for a living. So I have I have patients um, who, who go through this, but you know when you have a family member who does the same thing, who experiences the same thing, you, you never you never want to hear somebody say, "Well, if I have it, I have it." it it's it's much it's much more nuanced than that, and that's what I tell people. You you, you don't 
you if you can take a yeah it's a colonoscopy is takes some time it's not the easiest and the colonoscopy itself is easy because you don't remember it but the the prep and and thinking about it are not easy but if you if you can do that and then not have to do it again for 10 years and and rest easy that you don't have colon cancer um that, that's what i tell my patients there's no reason not to do it and, and yeah, right I, I i guess i'm with you and i, I don't like i don't think a, a scare tactic is the best way you know i don't want to be like you should go because this has happened but it's not as i think as you were saying as simple as that it's not like black and white when no. you say you get it it's yeah. like it's an ongoing awful disease that i'm yeah guessing i i, I haven't been close to it but i know yeah. you have yeah and it's and it it's something that you um you know you think about it every day and and you 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 know you you wait for the other foot to drop and and, and I, you know i tell my patients is that not something it's not something you want to you want to have to deal with on a daily basis. And so, with the screening, um, are there any others? There's the colonoscopy, the color guard. Is there any other ones that you the, know? Yeah, there's there's one other. Um, we call it the IFOB, and I don't. It, it's a fecal occult blood test, and and literally, it you do a stool sample, and it tests for for the presence of blood in the stool. Um, which can be a marker for a for a, 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 an incipient cancer in itself, or a, a hidden cancer in itself, or a large a large polyp which could lead to cancer. Um, you have to do those every year. Um, I, I've almost gotten out of the the habit of even offering IFOBs because the the Cologuard test, in my opinion, is is a more accurate test, and you can you can spread out the interval from one year to three years. Other physicians may. That's your. That's thing. that's that's mine. But I, I uh, but yeah, other physicians may use the IFOB much more than I do. Um, I, I just I, I don't anymore because I think there's there's better options. But five years ago, uh, for somebody who didn't want a colonoscopy, the IFOB was the go-to test. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, which so I I did send you these questions ahead of time, and it's funny like I'm almost like squeamish reading this one, and I, and I, and it's funny like I'm sure what's once I, I you know we've all been to the doctor, and it, and it's funny you get in the room with someone such as yourself, and some of the kind of social norms as they should kind of fall away, um, and so I, I'm gonna just read what I went. My question is this is about butts and poop taboos topics. Does that make it hard to talk about? Maybe when I first started as a medical student, <laughs> it was harder to talk about. I, not anymore. We, I talk with so many taboo subjects about so many taboo subjects with my patients that talking about butts and poop is probably not that big a deal. Not for you, but I, I'm just wondering. Well, for like, the patient. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, even like I am not a medical. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a, I do this for a living, yeah. talking to a microphone. But like, you know, like maybe sitting around the table at home, you know, when you're talking, like it, maybe it is a little taboo, you know, to like come up with these, you know, it's not something you usually talk about. Yeah, it, it's not something you, you usually talk about, but. I, I will tell you that um, I, I think in most cases patients don't don't have a problem talking about it, like especially if they're having an issue, like I'm having bleeding, 
they're 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 going to tell you about it because they they most patients have been educated so much that bleeding is a bad thing that they want to come tell you about it um so I, no, I, I don't. I don't find a lot of. I don't. No, find and, I, and I, I, I'm not phrasing my question very well. I guess. I mean, I know it's not like you know, and even me talking to you, yeah, you know, yeah. a physician. But I guess like if a family's, you know, you know, hey, dad, hey, mom, are you going to go get a, you know, oh. a, go get a screening? Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Why are we talking about this? I don't even want to. Um. <laughs> uh, maybe I should talk to a behavioral health person about. Yeah. That. I, that, that, I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I don't know the answer to that. Sorry, yeah. Jeremy. No, I. I yeah. Well, I. You know, I, sometimes my questions are good and sometimes they're bad. <laughs> um, so you did mention about we once it's detected how it's treated. It sounds like it is a. I mean, that's a pretty invasive move to oh, yeah. remove part of the colon. Is that is that the option? Is that that is how it's treated? Well, it, it it also depends on how um, how large the cancer in is and whether it's spread or not. So, depending if you have a cancer in your colon large enough to block the colon, obviously it needs to be taken out so you can you you know you can have a normal digestive system. If it's spread to lymph nodes, um, then you start to get into the the chemotherapy options and the radiation options. Sometimes the the tumors are are um, large enough where you have to get radiation to the site first before you can even before before it's small enough where you can you, you can take it out. Um, so th- there's a lot of different options, um, and you know, going back to my medical school days um, when I did a surgery rotation, I actually worked with a colorectal surgeon and. Um, we, we we did a couple bowel resections, which I assisted on, which w- when I tell people about doing a surgery rotation, it was the most fascinating thing I, I, I did, that that you actually had this, this disease part of the body where the surgeon went in and cut it out and then hooked the other two parts together and off you went. And um, not off you went, it's not quite that easy, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but that's the whole idea. So, so a really fascinating process. I, and I don't know the numbers on this. Um, I would think in, in today's world, with with as much screening as we do, and as much as screening is pushed, that we have, we deal with much more earlier stage colon cancers than we do later stage colon cancers. Um, so, so those surgeries um, where you take out a small portion of the bowel may be more common um, than than the going to the radiation and the chemotherapy, which is obviously preferable anyway. Uh, it's obviously preferable to do the screening and, and get it before it happens. But um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, cancer treatment today is much like it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's still the, the chemotherapy and the radiation once you're talking about cancer that's 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 spread um there are other treatments out there immunotherapies and and other things um but yeah once you once you get beyond the 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 localized cancers which would be confined to the colon um that can be can be surgically um handled then it becomes a much bigger issue unfortunately i was um 
surprised after my colonoscopy that I got a series of photos and I could not believe how clear the photos were. <laughs> and I, I, you know, um, has that, how has the, has that, that image always been so clear or has that changed over the last, as long since as you I've, started? Or? No, as long as I've been doing it, the image has always been clear. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I used to get, when I was in residency, we, I would get photos of the colonoscopy from the surgeon, you know, from my patients and great. Thanks for the photos. But I just really want to know what the surgeon said. Like there's three pops, there's no polyps. And I think most of my colleagues are still the, the same way, like great photos. Um, just tell me what you found and, and, and where we need to go from there. Maybe that's the photographer coming out in me. Maybe I, I may cut that right out of there. Um, anything else? Well, I, I did want to mention, and and you and I talked about this before we started recording. We we talked a little bit about um, the the recommendation has gone from fifty back to forty five for getting colon cancer screening, and we've done that because we've seen more more colon cancers in younger people. We're not. The experts aren't really sure why that is. I think a lot of experts um, think it's due to our diet, um, which is heavy in processed foods. Um, and as we were talking earlier, there, there was a great article in Science Magazine about um, about three years ago talking about uh, what we call the, the gut biome um, because th- there's millions of, of bacteria in our colon, and most of those bacteria are good. Um, and they're good because they, they help us break down all the, the, the sugars and the starches and the proteins so they can be broken down into their, their base parts and used by our bodies. Um, feeding those, those bacteria heavily processed foods over a long period of time is probably, and I'm not even going to say probably, is not very good for our digestive system. Um, Science Magazine had a had a great article uh, where they went and looked for the perfect gut biome. Where are we going to find the people on this earth with with the most perfect gut biome for in digesting food and, and the healthiest gut? And they ended up going to um, probably um, the southern. South Central Africa, where where uh, hunter gatherers still live in the in the jungle, and and they looked at what they eat, uh, and and during the wet season, when 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 the animals move in, during the rainy season, they eat more meat, not a lot, but 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 some more. Well, during the dry season, when there's no animals around, all they eat is is plants, and they eat a lot of 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 roughage. A lot of stuff that our body doesn't do a very good job of digesting. Um, and, and so what they found was is, is th- this one group of people that they followed around, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which country it was in, but um, they would have five to six bowel movements a day, which was completely normal because they're eating a lot of, of, of undigestible material. What they also found that they were eating is they, they, were, um, they ate a lot of honey, wild honey, and they ate a lot of the wild honeycomb. Like they would collect it and they would just eat the comb because they needed that energy um, during the dry season. And they had a great picture of this, this, this guy eating a, a honeycomb and it showed his hand and his hand was almost, the, the dirt, the amount of dirt 
underneath his fingernails on his hand was was a little alarming. And 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 then I had to step back and think, that's so. What's really causing their gut biome to be good? Is it is it good because of what they're eating, or is it good because they're introducing all the 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 other bacteria into the gut because they don't wash their hands and and their gut has learned how to create that perfect balance. I, I think it's an interesting question. You know, when we when we look at our immune systems, we, we've there's been research, many many years of research to show that that a, a, a cleaner environment where you have less access to or less exposure to bacteria can create more autoimmune diseases and a, and a less robust immune system. Um, it's been shown that people that grow up on farms around farm animals have less less autoimmune diseases, less asthma, less allergic reactions. It's actually healthier to have a pet in your house than than not, as far as your immune system is concerned, to get your body exposed to some of those 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 bad bacteria is actually good in a way. I I just get excited that you're excited about this. Oh, it, I, I mean, it, like, I, I just think that how neat that there's this physician in Minong that is like reading Science magazine and like interested and still excited about it. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. It, it, it's. Um, I mean, obviously, we do a we do a poor job on our diet in the United States in in the entire first world. We 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 have created these these large food deserts where where um, people have access to large amounts of cheap um, food that is bad for them. And it's created a, and, and I digress a little bit, go off on a tangent, but it's created a, a society of, of people who, who um, um, are overweight, and, and then that leads on to problems that I deal with every day, which are diabetes and heart disease. Um, heart disease is, is obviously the number one killer in the United States, and our, our, our life expectancy for males in the United States has actually gone down because, because of heart disease. And, um, you know, it fascinates me a little bit that we, we, we don't allow cigarette companies and, and, and um, um, bourbon, yeah, alcohol. Uh, alcohol companies to, to advertise on, on TV, yet we, we let Burger King and McDonald's and, and Taco Bell do it. Um, and I can tell you, I, I see a lot more people with diabetes due to their weight than I do people with alcoholic cirrhosis or lung cancer. Um, so where do you draw the line between, <laughs> I mean, where, where, how, how do you regulate that? Pro- probably impossible, but, but it's, it's, it's a concern. Um, the question is, though, is if everybody walked around eating honeycombs with dirty hands and had pets in their house, would, would, you, would we reduce our, our colon cancer rate? Well, I, that's a that's a hundred year question, right? We'd have right. to that'd be past my, my lifetime. So I, I don't know that. Um, but those are you know, those are questions that ruminate in the mind sometimes. And I was going to say I didn't want you to name names, but you already did. But give us some examples. What, what do you mean by processed food? Cheetos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I'll name some of my favorite processed foods. Uh-huh. You know, Cheetos is 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 a processed food. Uh, um, anything that you can that can sit on the shelf um, that doesn't need to be refrigerated and doesn't go bad um, is is 
considered a processed food. So, you know, your processed foods or your frozen pizzas, your, your frozen dinners, um, and, and, you know, frozen vegetables aren't processed, but obviously the, the frozen lasagnas and they have a, a large amount of salt, uh, sugar, preservatives. Um, are they, are they safe? Uh, maybe not. I mean, looking at, lo- looking at, at the fact that we're having more colon cancers, um, you know, 60 years after these processed foods became a part of our lives, maybe they're not. Um, I'm I'm old enough to know that that um, my grandparents grew up in the depression. That there there were no processed foods, none. Um, um, so now they 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 had other issues, but but processed foods wasn't one of them. And you know you have to delve deeper a little bit too. So if you go to a country where they don't eat a lot of processed foods. You can't just say, well, they don't eat processed foods because they don't have colon cancer, and therefore they don't have any colon cancer. Well, that may not be true. In some of these you know, poor countries, we don't really know if they have any colon cancer because they're not doing the screening for it. So, so you have to be careful making those relationships, but you know, those 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 relations between those two things. Uh, but but this is like it's one of the things that you stew about at night or like you're interested in you like you, yeah, you yeah, see I, like is there a correlation i mean just the like i, I like i said i think it's you're just asking these questions like yeah, thinking about it well it, it's that's what i personally think is interesting about what i do um is i i get to think about those issues sometimes like all of a sudden they're they're recommending now that you're 45 and you get a you go get colon cancer screening because we're seeing more colon cancer. Well, why is that? What are we doing wrong? Um, and I may be totally off base. It may have nothing to do with 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 <laughs> hamburger helper and frozen pizzas, it, it, but it, it's certainly something to something to think about. And um, there's a farm to patient program here, isn't there? There is. Um, I know what it is. Do you want to tell us what it is and and how you use it or do you use it? Share it with your patients? Yeah, we have, I think we have 18 patients here in Minong that are using the farm, um, the farm to patient program. Do you know where they, they get that? Is it, is it? I know where they do in Ashland. So, you know, I'm Ashland bias. Yeah, Um, here I think they get it from a, a, a farm in Stone Lake. So every... I don't think it's every week. Is it every two weeks? I, I think it's every week, and I don't know. Let's say th- every week or two. Yeah, every week or two, <laughs> you, um, patients sign up. Um, they get a bag of, of fresh vegetables, like a, a, a from a local uh, a local farm. I think last week there were uh, there were some onions, there were some squash, some Swiss chard. Um, I, being a gardener myself, I, I like to look in the bag. And, it is, yeah, right, right. Yeah, That's see, what, see what go, somebody else is growing, and I'm, right. I'm missing here. <laughs> you go to the, the farmer's market just like me, and I'm yeah. buying. I'm just looking. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm seeing what you got that I don't have. Right. Um, and there's also recipes in there in the bag, basically trying to encourage people um, to eat a little bit differently. And it is something that you can prescribe, right? I mean, I think the yes. idea is that... Like, Actually, hey, it, is, I, it is a prescription that and I have is, to prescribe How it. does yeah. that work? I, I simply put in an order for um, farm to patient in, in their chart. And how, who, how do you choose, like, is there a way you go about, like, oh, this person would benefit from this? Um, actually, it's the... Um, 
it's our patient community health worker. Yeah, our community health worker who 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 recognizes or says this person is interested and they may benefit. We tried to do it um, with the physicians earlier, but it 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 was just one more thing that that we didn't think about very often. It's nice to have that liaison that's kind of helping with that. Yeah, and and they're they're interacting with the patients on on a different level and certainly if the patient shows interest um and they think they may benefit then then they're getting and right now all of ours are 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 when it first started you'd have four or five of the bags left over people wouldn't wouldn't pick them up. There there's I haven't seen any bags left over this summer. Uh, so, so I think people are using it. And you're looking because you're like, hey, what do you got? Well, I am looking because uh, again, you know, you know, your carrots are. How come your carrots are way bigger than my carrots? But anyway, they're professionals. <laughs> where, where, what do you, what do you put in your garden? What do you like growing? I'm a tomato guy. Yeah. yeah. They ripe yet? They're getting there. Okay, and I will say we are recording this the last day of August. Yeah, so. yeah, they're they're getting there. Uh, I'm a tomato guy. Uh, I haven't bought a potato in the grocery store in eight or ten years. That may not be the case this year. This year, for some reason, potatoes look a little anemic. Um, I grow my own garlic. I grow my own onions. Uh, got a lot of Swiss chard, spinach, uh, Brussels sprouts. Um, I am a uh, I, I test collard greens for a, a seed company out of uh, Iowa, so I have several different varieties of collard greens um, in my garden this year. And um, you'll just have to ask me. You'll have to ask me about collard greens later. I could talk for hours, but um, that'll that'll be our part two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I kept my chickens away from my collard greens this year, so I hopefully will have a a, a very good crop. Excellent. Um, what? And since we're kind of just talking here i know you got a like i got another 10 minutes or so yeah, uh, yeah like two three two okay yeah. i got my last question for you then um what's in your car right now what's in my car right now um my workout bag is in my car uh i have my bathing suit and my towel hanging off the back of the um <laughs> tailgate drying because i went swimming today um i have a uh invention in the back of my um truck that I'm working on and um, hopefully I'm going to put it on Shopify once my son and I um, redesign a little bit more but that's all I'm going there because it's not patented yet Um, I have a bunch of crystals and rocks from my daughter my who will be a freshman in high school Uh, she buys them because they help um, with anxiety so they they work together and i i think that's about all of the interesting things i have in my car right now that that's a mouthful excellent <laughs> dr d it's really nice to see you i really appreciate you doing this and uh it's like it's a thrill to be down here in Minong. thank you so much for the time thank you very much jeremy i appreciate it enjoyed right. it thanks okay. have a good day yeah Dr. Dotson Thompson is a family physician at North Lakes Community Clinic Minong. You can learn more about him by visiting our website, nlccwi.org. North Lakes Community Clinic is a community health center with locations throughout the top third of Wisconsin. We see all people regardless of their ability to pay. I'm Jeremy Oswald, today's host of the North Lakes Podcast, and hope that you share this podcast and write a review. Please. Talk to your healthcare provider about getting screened for colon cancer, especially if you are over 45 and have never gotten screened. Thanks for listening to the North Lakes Podcast.